0: back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Chris Turner. I am your host. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of you out there whenever you're listening to this. Um, sorry for this last week not having too many episodes. I've had a very busy week. A lot of different things have been going on in my life, uh, including what I talked about in the last episode, the whole nicotine uh, debacle there, um, but also just had a lot of uh, other things going on. You know, I currently, I've been uh, technically unemployed Uh, For the last six to seven months, uh, I uh, used to work at a company called Amazon. (laughs) Um, I was a manager at Amazon and I helped uh, launch one of the fulfillment centers out here in Denver, but I left there about seven months ago and have been in the process of job searching this whole time. Uh, And in in that time, I've been doing a lot of projects. You know, I started a a podcast with my friends called Beer Goggles not too long ago and worked on that for a while And, and then also, you know, started this here not too long ago and, It's one of the things that I really value about this time that I've had. Um, Don't get me wrong, it's been an extremely stressful time because I haven't had a lot of money coming in and I've had kind of touch-and-go finances, you know. Um, I've been working DoorDash, uh, kind of the gig economy, to make money and make ends meet while I try to find what direction I'm headed in life. And, you know, I think that's a good topic to go on uh, this morning is, is kind of making those decisions about life. You know, like, how do you make the decisions about where you're going to be in life, where you're going to go or who you are really, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know what is the right choice? And the secret is you won't ever know, right? You're never going to know what the right choice is before you make it. But I do think there's some things you can, you can do to kind of prepare yourself to make, to best prepare yourself for when those choices come up in life, you're, you're ready to make the decision, right? You have all the information you need. And I think one of them the biggest part of it is is kind of what we've been talking about in these previous episodes a lot of it so focuses on figuring out that you're not your ego and that you are something else because once you figure out that you're something else then you can tap into that and that something else is what makes you unique right the thing that the things that you're interested in the things that you're attracted to naturally are the things that make you unique i truly believe this and I believe that you need to tap into those things to really figure out whatever your purpose is in life, right? Whatever your calling is, whatever you're, you were put here to, to do, right? Um, I know, you know, that's more of a religious idea, but that's how I think about it. I think it's the best way to think about it um, because any other way of thinking about why you're here on this earth just seems overwhelming. Um, there's no good explanation besides that, that there's some reason you're here. You may not know it, but there's a reason and you got to figure out what that reason is, right? You got to figure out why you're here. Uh, and it's almost like the, the the overall puzzle of life is that question, you know, why are you here, right? Well, the best way the best way to go about that is to figure out what's real and what isn't. Once you figure out that your ego isn't you and isn't real, then you can kind of figure out, okay, so this is real, whatever this is that's left over, and I want to figure out what that is. So how do you follow that? Well, follow your attraction to things, follow the things that you're you're interested in, right? Uh, and that will lead you to kind of just similar to how you can outline the ego by figuring out what you're afraid of you can outline your true self by figuring out what you love naturally right um it's these energies these different kinds of energies you can focus on and when you focus on them in the proper you know in the proper way it will identify these two different things i'm talking about the soul and the ego So my journey, and I'll kind of go into that a little bit here for you. Like I said, I guess I'll have to start from the beginning. You know, I I haven't done this yet, but this might be a good episode for me to give you a little history of myself. And there's a lot to go over here. So I'm going to try to keep this as much as I can in the professional vein, because there's a lot of other veins I could take this, and I'll definitely do that at some point but professionally, you know, I, I went to, I, I grew up in a middle, middle, uh, income household, right. I had a perfect upbringing, an amazing parents, single child, right. So some would say a little spoiled, um, you know, uh, great neighborhood. I grew up most of my life in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, never had any real problems with the law, anything like that, especially growing up. Um, but I remember when I was going through high school, and I think this is a, re- it's a really important time for what I'm talking about, but it's not focused on it at all. We don't talk about when we're in, when we put kids in school, we don't try to figure out, help them figure out what they really are attracted to, which is what we need to be doing. If we want to leverage them properly as human beings to produce the best good they could possibly produce, they need to be following their true sense of self, like their true calling, regardless of how monetarily valuable that is. Right, because it's 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 the thing that will produce limitless monetary value in the future, but it's not valuable in the present because it's an idea or a a, a passion. Right, it has to be followed to produce anything with value. But anyway, I digress. The 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 my 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 struggle that I had in in school was I had these split. I had this split that happened at some point. I don't I think it happened to right around the transition between elementary to middle school. Um I was very 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 as a kid attracted to music, art, Not necessarily as much art, but definitely music. Like music was something that just it spoke to me. It was something that comforted me. It was something that I was naturally good at. You know, I and I think it was in fourth grade is when you can first start band. You know, and playing an instrument. I picked up a saxophone right away and very quickly became one of the best instrument players in the band. Right, and did that for all the way through up until high school. But what ended up happening, and actually, you know what, I take that back. The transition, I was forced to make a decision uh, my freshman year in high school. And this is what happened for me. And I don't know if this is going to be different for every person, but this is what happened for me. And I think this is where it started. I wanted to also play football. Right? There's things that come out. You can be in the band, but there's things that come along with being in the band, right? It's a certain type of perspective. Not perspective, but a certain look, right? Like people look at you a certain way. Like, oh, it's a band kid right? Like kind of like American pie, right? Oh, it's the band geeks, right? And then there's like the football players and the jocks. Well, I felt like I fit in both groups. I always got along with both groups, right? I could go and hang out with the jocks. I could go hang out with the band people. And I felt like neither of those properly described who I was. And so when it came to transition from middle school to high school, I had to make the decision. Do you want to take on any other kind of extracurricular activities? Like how do you want to define yourself in this new four years? Right. And I decided I wanted to go out for football. Well, before doing really, I did a little bit of my research on it, but I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to have something like band. That was also a class that I had to like, you know, go out and do, you know, practice for just like football and marching band and all that kind of stuff. And then also do football at the same time. It was seasons were the same time. You know, the band plays in the stands while the football team's on the field, right? So it's just it's this real hard, you know, it's a very hard balancing act. And I went all the way through the prep program, like all the way through the summer workouts, all that kind of stuff, basically all the way up to the beginning of the season for football, and uh, made the decision to quit and go to band. And at the time, I told myself the reason I did that was because uh, the band was a class, and I couldn't drop a class, right? I didn't want to drop a class. And so I did that. I quit football for band. But after that, I remember having massive, massive, massive regret over that decision. And what I'm trying to figure out now, and I think this is important to, to dissect, um, is why I felt regret uh, over that. Because I went back the next year and did the opposite. My sophomore year, I quit band. I did not go back to band and I went back out to football and I made, I made the football team. Not only did I make it, but I made it both starting both ways on the JV team. You know what I mean? Um, I was good, you know? (laughs) And so I, 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 kind of 180 flipped one year. I went the band route. I didn't like being pigeonholed in that one identity. And so I did the exact opposite the next year and I went over to football and that's where I stayed the rest of my, my high school career. What I think I'm the mistake I think I made there is in throwing the baby out with the bathwater, because the band identity didn't fit me very well. I didn't feel like it described me very well. I threw out the artistic side of me altogether. I kind of labeled like all of that stuff as that, right? This very shallow way of looking at, at, at groups of people and their interests as like a panacea that's what i did and i placed myself in that you know and then I, I i told myself that i'm not i'm not that entirely i'm not like these people i have these other side of me that i want to explore and so i threw it all out and went and completely went on the other direction the problem is i cut off who i am when i did that like a massive part of who i am right um I cut off in some sense, the connection to my source, my soul, the thing that really fulfilled me, fueled me up. You know what I mean? Like I used to play music constantly too. I was in a a small garage band too. I played dances for our our middle school dance. You know what I mean? Like I I did talent shows and stuff like that. It was a big part of my life, but I, I consistently remember, and this is another aspect to this when I was going through school and growing up. And it wasn't anybody in particular, but I consistently remember this idea being pushed that that's fun, that's great, it's not important, right? You can be, have a lot of fun playing your saxophone, you can have a lot of fun playing your tuber, you can have a lot of fun playing your bass guitar and, in a band and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's not going to pay the bills, right? That's the point that you constantly get, you know, fed. And it it ends up affecting and coloring Your ability to choose those paths because it's kind of like how stupid will you be to choose the one path that everybody tells you is disaster, right? So you don't and you abandon that side and you go full force, full bore into the opposite side, which is like the tangible world, the STEM, you know, fields, like anything that is like tangible, valuable money thing that you can grab onto right now and make sure that you're this producer, right? Guaranteed like, yeah, they're going to produce something. You know what I mean? There's a big problem in the way that we are, not only, when I say we, there's a big problem in the education system itself. And the problem lies in this, in what I'm pointing out here. It is the way we are incentivizing different fields, different subject areas. It's like we've created a hierarchy out of the subjects, and we've placed the STEM fields at the top because they're the most immediately tangible, and then we've placed everything else below that—the the social sciences, the art, all that kind of stuff—goes all the way below that. And in a lot of in a lot of ways, going even deeper into that, there's—I mean, those those fields, especially at the collegiate level, haven't helped themselves either. They've delegitimized themselves by letting things like gender studies and bullshit like that enter into the university level and actually become a Recognized field of study with absolutely zero tangible evidence to back it up, right? So then it's delegitimized the entire social science section of the university, right? The entire institution, that section of the institution is delegitimized because you let in a bad actor. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not a legitimate field of study. But because it's held next to, like, I can go take gender studies or I can go take friggin' uh, American history. And those are in the same friggin' <laughs> – those are in the social sciences. Like, that delegitimizes it. You know what I mean? Just by just by proximity. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm getting a little bit on a tangent. I don't mean to make that political, right? right? But it, it has to be a little bit. Like, there's certain things that we are doing that are dele- not only – disincentivizing these kind of fields, this, the, the arts and the social sciences and the humanities, but it's all, it's not only, you know, deemphasizing is delegitimizing them because of how, how they've been infiltrated by certain political views. <laughs> right. And, and it's, it's, um, it's really sad, but in more of the context of what I was talking about, I think in the, there's this point that you will reach, everybody will reach where you have to kind of put down the kid version of yourself is the way we conceptualize it, right? You have to, you have to, it's time to grow up, right? It's time to put down the things that you've been doing your whole life that you've have been fun, fun, fun. And it's time to buckle down. You know what I mean? And whatever point that is for you, I'm telling you, don't do that. You know, you probably already have, but for anybody that's coming up, growing up, don't do that. Don't ever shut off that other side of you, whatever it is, you know what I mean? If it's, if it, maybe it is more of an artistic, you know, maybe you're a painter, maybe you're a sculptor, maybe you're a, you know, maybe you like music, maybe you like, even, even like the visual arts, like, you know, video game design, stuff like that. Like you would be any Photoshop, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to express yourself and create something novel. And I think that, that we're, we've, the education system somehow, in some way has been, has, has, has started to disincentivize all of the, not started, it disincentivizes all of those things. And it keeps people in a place where they just don't feel like there's any reasonable way for them to pursue those goals. And so they completely eliminate them from possibility itself. And I say this, you know, speaking from my experience, but a lot of people that I've talked to that feel exactly the same way. You know, I told you I worked at Amazon and I, I encountered a lot of people there, right? I managed 120, 130 people at a time. And so I got to get a big, you know, sample size of people and talk to a lot of different people and see their different experiences, how they're viewing that job itself, also where they've come from, right? And one thing that I noticed that was similar between every single person that I talked to is... You know, I don't know what I was going to say there. What I, I think I was, what I was going to say, but I stopped myself. Was was that every single person I, I noticed, most of the people I talked to there, they, they, there's this untapped potential in people. And it's incredibly sad when you see it, and I'm trying to distill this idea, of, like as I think about it, because I've not thought about it a lot, but. The reason I'm bringing it up in the context of like my past, my searching for the, my own or my loss of my artistic side, you know, like the connection to the soul, the source. When you work in one of those facilities like that, like an Amazon facility, and you have, you see that many people with that many varied experience and you have like direct, you directly affect their lives every day by their, your actions and what you say to them. You very quickly realize you get a, you'll get a sense if you listen of where these people are coming from. What such situ- you know like what you can get a sense of who they are, and you can also get a sense of like what their common struggle is too. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a, and and one of the things I think I've identified in that pro- in that situation is that there's a people's creativity has been shut off. This insane, not only shut off it's like don't be creative it's it's almost like people it's like it's like it, we've been taught to be creative but in the right ways you know what i mean it's like be creative but as long as it's as, as i can turn it into a dollar bill you know what i mean like as long as it's valuable in this way be creative but if it's not valuable in that way shut it all off because i can't figure out a way to, to monetize that you know what i mean and and you and it doesn't even really relate to Amazon, but it's just that was one of my experiences where I noticed this was like Because there was such a group of people that I, I got to engage with is like every single person had this like Certain aspect this uniqueness to them. You know, what I mean like there's this this thing that was different about them That was different about the next person that was different about the next person And all you had to do to pull that out with them was ask them a single question about themselves period and it just pff, Would open up like a friggin like a blossom like a flower and you start to see all of these different parts of their life unfold but none of it was attached to like the job they were doing. None of it was attached to like the place they were spending the most time. Right? It was like they were starving. It's like, look at all these beautiful things I have inside of me, but I spend ninety-five percent of my time in a concrete box putting a piece of like a cardboard box in a cardboard hole. You know what I mean? Soul killing, crushing work. Hard to describe how depressing those places can be. Very hard to describe. If anybody that's listened has been in there, you know what I'm talking about. Right? um, you can, it's just, it's one because it's such a harsh environment, it was so obvious to see this, this untapped potential, this like limitless amount of untapped potential in the people that I have, you know, that I am sitting there managing. And I felt one of the reasons I left that company is I felt like I couldn't, like once I noticed that I couldn't not see it. It's like, I can't go in there with a good, clear conscience, then as a manager and push these people, right? Which is exactly what they try to make you do in that company. I can go into more depth about my experience at Amazon in a whole episode. It'll take a whole episode. I promise you. But that you you can't, you, you, it, once you see that, it's like, how do you, how do you go in and ask more of someone because they're already spending 95% of their life, like I said, in a concrete freaking box for you. And then you want, them, you want them to go faster or do their job quicker or to lift harder or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's like you've already got 95% of who they are crushed. You know, like you don't even see like all of this other side, all this other value they have. You don't care because all you want them to do is to pick up a frigging box and put it in that box. That's all you want them to do. That's as valuable as they are to you. They're nothing but a production unit, a number on a piece of paper, Right? But they're not. Each one of those people is a soul. A unique thing that is roaming this earth with unique value. You try to fit that unique thing in a box, you're going to make hell. That's what you do. You make absolute hell for people, everybody that gets to be a part of that system. And it's mainly attached to this. I, I know I'm going all over the place in this episode, and I apologize, guys. I don't mean to. But this is one of the topics that's really hard for me to, like crystallized down because I think it relates to everything. Unhappiness in general in the world I think is related to us not having a connection to self to soul not understanding what we really are and cutting out the things the humanities the, the the art the philosophy the music all of this kind of stuff that really 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 harkens to the soul we've cut out because it doesn't have as much monetary or as readily available monetary value and because we're impatient and we're impulsive and we're consumers and all we want is more and more and more faster 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 we've created Actual entities that are embodiments of that, like Amazon. That is what Amazon is—an embodiment of everything that's wrong with our culture in one place. If you don't believe me, go to or one of the places. <laughs> Trust me, I know those places intimately. And it's not—it's not just Amazon, right? You can see these in a, in a lot of our economics in our in- industry itself. But Amazon's a very good example of this. You know, I—I I, I think in in general, it's just. We need to try to figure out now that we're in this situation, you know, because I talk, like I said, I talk to my friends all the time and they, they tell me all the time, like I'm not happy. You know, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like the job I'm in. I spend all this time doing all this stuff. I'm very qualified people. You know, I don't like I don't like the situation I'm in. It's like, okay, well, how do you change that? It was, I don't know what I want to do. You know what I mean? This is exactly how I felt most of my life. Like, I don't know what I want to do. It's like, okay, well, what are you interested in? And people can't even answer answer that. That's how bad this problem is. Like you can if you ask somebody what they're interested in especially if they work in any of these big companies I guarantee you like go find somebody from Amazon ask them what they're interested in besides Amazon and it's gonna take them a second at least if they work in fulfillment what I did <laughs> you know what I mean because that that job is so all-consuming that that is really what you think about like that is all you can think about because it's it's so demanding like it, that's all you can do and so if you are if you simmer in that long enough it literally consumes everything oh you become nothing but that you're filled up with nothing but information data about that place Right? And when I ask you what you're interested in after you've been in that long enough, you don't even know because you've just been on autopilot doing this thing that is producing value for something else your whole life or your whole career or whatever it is. And so like, you don't even know what you like anymore. That's a, And if that's not brainwashing people, I don't know what is. If you don't know what you like, you've been brainwashed. And I guess I'm trying to figure out where that starts, because I think it starts all the way back in elementary school, (laughs) in middle school. This idea that those things that you're actually interested in are actually valuable. As long as they line up with what the economy wants, you can be interested in them. No. We are going so incredibly wrong there with that messaging. And the problem is, I don't even think that's like, it's not like anybody's out there trumpeting that. It's like don't be interested in any of the si- any of the fields except for STEM. Like nobody's tr- just trumpeting that, you know, as like their one thing that you should do. But it's like insinuated everywhere you go. You know, you go to apply for college for college, and you're picking your majors, and everybody will tell you, well, you could pick these ones, the non-paying ones, or you, could the- but also the fun ones, right? Isn't that always? It's like there's like the non-paying jobs, but also the interesting ones. Or degrees, you know what I mean. That's usually what they line up. It's like this shit: you're not gonna make money, but you're probably gonna love your time in college. This shit: you're gonna be absolutely miserable, and it's probably not gonna add any kind of like vigor to your life. But you're gonna make a fuckload of money. And what is people? What do what do people choose? And this is also part of the problem too, because then if you get ten years down the road and you look back, you're like, "Well, I'm not happy." It's like, "Well, no shit, you're not." What choice did you choose back then? You chose the money. If you really thought the money was gonna make you happy, then you made the You just found out it doesn't, right? A lot of people could have told you that beforehand, but you know, sometimes you just got to learn yourself, right? And and this is, this is something that I think all of the, the millennial generation, especially is experiencing right now because so many of us actually went to college. You know what I mean? It's the highest proportion of people actually going through and completing four years of college, uh, in generational history, right? I think if I'm not mistaken, something like 35% of millennials hold a college degree, a bachelor's degree. I believe it's in that ballpark, which is really high relative uh, to most other generations. But because of that, you know, we have, I think we have this growing unhappiness problem because that's the choice. That's the reason that we did it. You know, you didn't you, No, I don't think very many, there's hardly any millennials that went to college because they wanted to expand their mind. They wanted to expand, figure out what they really are deeply. You know what I mean? Engage with ideas that make them uncomfortable and try to more and, and to try to figure out how that fits with me. It's like you have to engage with the things you don't know or you haven't been exposed to because you have to figure out if that's something that resonates with you. You don't know yet until you engage with it, right? But if you go in and just do a STEM field, like you just go do a science, then you're not, you're not doing that. <laughs> There's no like a critical thought there. You're just going in there and letting somebody tell you what things are. It's lazy. It's intellectually lazy. I'm sorry, but it is. I feel like I'm being really critical on this on this fields, but this is how I feel like nobody ever criticizes them, and this is part of it. It is lazy as shit. I, anybody can go and sit and read a freaking chemistry book long enough and learn it, right? Not everybody can go sit down and figure out philosophical ideas, even if they think about it their whole life. That's how hard these problems are. You have to actually try to add something to that equation, and you can add value to that. Right, Or like I said, if you want to be a graphic designer, it's extremely hard because you have to create something completely novel. Not only do you have to learn technique on how to do that in the world, but then you have to bring your own version of it into existence. You have to birth something before you can ever profit from it. But that's not how it happens in the STEM fields. You get to go pay money like a ticket to sit down in a class to learn everything you need to know to make a certain amount of paycheck. That's what it is. It's kind of dis- disgustingly transactional. And I honestly believe, and I do not mean to criticize anybody out there. I, I'm a little bit, like, a, I'm obviously a little bit worked up this morning, if you couldn't tell. I don't know why, but I'm definitely a little bit more What's a sassy, I guess is the word. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it's frustrating for me because I've seen so many people I know argue exactly the opposite point to me sit there and argue while I was going through school that the humanities option was the wrong choice and you know what there's a lot of reasons they were right right like I just said I you know I've (laughs) I've been without a job technically for about seven or eight months right pretty bad spot to be where all of my friends are sitting here like collecting you know they're you know building retirement funds having health insurance all this kind of stuff not me right so, I mean, yes, there's a lot of reasons they were are right. If you're talking about comfort, right? You, know, you want to go to STEM fields, you're going to be the most comfortable. You're going to have, it's the best bet. It's the best line to financial prosperity for sure. Is it the best that the problem is, is that does not, that is not the same line as happiness. Never was, never will be right. I don't know how we ever confused those two things, but somehow we did. We can try to explore that more in another episode, uh, looking at kind of the economy. I talked about it I think in the second episode but I think some of that stems a little bit from the uh the birth of the idea of the Wall Street personality as like a figurehead in American society you know this businessman 1980s cocaine fueled freaking bye 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 you know <laughs> like like attitude like this that is part of partially why I think a lot of the kids followed in those steps because they grew up in a in a, in a time frame when we were simmering in this like there's no other word for it besides, like, shallowness. Like, the 1980s is one of the most shallow times I could ever imagine seeing. And, when, like, if you look at it, it's just scream shallow. Like, and I'm overgeneralizing, but especially, like, in the context I'm talking about. Go watch, like, Wall Street. Right? Like, distill that, that into, like, people. Like, that was those... <laughs> I know that's a, a fictional movie, but it's based off the idea of real people. Right? Real attitudes that people hold. And it's those kind of attitudes that I think have, like, infiltrated society to a point where, like, it's actually disincentivized, like the fields that could help us out of whatever p- dark place we're in that could push humanity forward. We've reached as much, like we've gained as much data insight as we possibly can through the STEM fields. And now we're sitting here bumping our head against the wall saying, Oh crap, man, where's the rest of the answers? And it's like, well, cause you left all the freaking answers behind. You put everything in one boat. And now that boat isn't big enough to get you across the Atlantic. And you're like, S- what, what are you going to do now? You know what I mean? It's like, cause now, cause now you deleted the thing that could actually save you. You've deleted the humanities. You've deleted the arts, and now they're infected. So how do you get them back? Now they got bull crap like basket weaving in there and gender studies and all this other crap that doesn't hold any intrinsic value either. So now you've got now now there's even an argument against them as a being, as humanities as a being because they look so devalued. They've been infected. Anyway, <sighs> that's a lot. Right, we're getting about thirty minutes here, guys. I, I hope there was some kind of value in that, and it wasn't just me rambling all morning. Um, to try to tie it all up here before we get out of here. Like the reason I brought that up, like I said, is I was trying to figure out, like, you know, how do people reconnect with the thing that that makes them them? You know, how do they find how do they find true meaning in life? You know, and how do they how do they find happiness in that sense? You know, and fulfillment. So you have to go down the road you never went down you know you have to explore the things you never explored it's like well how do I find those well they're you're attracted to things in the world period aren't you you know they are you are whatever that is it doesn't matter like go figure that out I think YouTube is a great source for this too like just go down some rabbit holes every once in a while like I love like finding like I'm really into like hot like like uh like models and stuff like that and I find so many cool channels on YouTube of just like different models that people build and like like actual functional models and stuff too, especially like those model planes and helicopters and locomotives, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, they have actual little mini locomotives like coal burning locomotives, you know what I mean? That you can build and run and stuff like that. Things like that, all those little interests you have you know, whatever it is, go follow that for a day or two, just devote time to it, actually give it some energy and don't pretend, don't treat it like it's like a second class interest. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's the interest that doesn't produce any value for you. So I'm not going to give it any time. It's like, no, switch that up, switch that equation up, put all your interest in, like most of your energy into that thing and, and treat the job as something that's just bringing you monetary income, something that has actually very little intrinsic value, but has a necessity, there's a necessity for it to sustain you. So put only much effort into that thing as, as it gives to you in a monetary sense. You see what I'm saying? That relationship, the relationship between you and employer in the classical sense should be the most transactional relationship you have. You should treat it that way as well. Not just the employee or the employer, excuse me. Because what ends up happening is if you treat it like it's a regular relationship, like there's loyalty, trust, and love in there, and then that company eventually doesn't because it views you as a production unit, especially if it's a large organization, maybe not so much for like small organizations, family-owned businesses. There is like a size problem with this too that I, I, I can try to outline, outline in another episode, but in general, especially if you're working for any company that's been – is larger than like a small family business – there is going to be a point where you are going to be at odds with the company in some way, shape, or form. And I guarantee you, that company is going to pick itself over you. There's, a, there's no self-sacrifice in the corporate world, right? especially in the, the entity itself. It's never going to pick sacrificing the entity for the greater good or the common good of the employee. It's not going to do that. It's the whole purpose for being built is producing wealth and production. So it's like, why would, why would it sacrifice anything for the individual? It's not going to, but we, like, a lot of people treat their, their relationship with their company, with their career like that, like, like a, like a, like a, like a romance relationship. Like you gotta, like, they gotta be, you gotta be loyal to them. They're giving me a paycheck. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's all with this idea that you, you can't leave, you know, like, like it's, 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 it's. In some sense, I think, to to keep you feeling like you have to stay there, but you don't. You have way more mobility and value than you realize, right? And I'm not telling anybody out there to just up and quick their jobs. <laughs> not a good idea. I've done that, and it's an incredibly hard process to go through. Not only do you mess yourself up, but you usually will mess up whoever is around you that was willing to help you, right? Because they're going to help you. Right. So if you if you make a rash decision and then and and you get into a bad spot. You got to think that not only are you making that rash decision for yourself, but you're making that rash decision for the people around you that are going to be there that are not going to watch you fall. (laughs) Maybe you don't have those people, but maybe you do. it's also something to consider, right? But the reason, like I said, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is we need to start rethinking these relationships because it's part of the reason why a lot of people out there feel empty, feel hollow, feel like they have nothing to go home to is because they really don't. They've given everything to that job, everything to that professional relationship, every ounce of themselves. And because of that, they actually don't have a conception of what they are separate from that, separate from this like production thing. And because of that, they feel robotic. They feel empty. They feel hollow because it's inhuman. That is not human beings. You are something that produces novel things, not something that repetitively produces, produces the same thing. If we were this, those things, we would be sitting doing nothing but scrap, scraping rocks together trying to start a fucking fire. You know what I mean? But we don't. We're imaginative. We're creative. And that's how we create new things that push the civilization forward. If you shut that off, civilization stops, to move, stops moving forward. And I think... <laughs> With that, I think I'm going to leave it there, and I hope it, I hope it tied up nice. I hope I was able to bring it back full circle, guys. If I didn't, sorry about it. There'll be more episodes out. Like I said, I'm not going to edit it. I'm just going to send it to you, and I hope you enjoy it. Hope you get some value out of it. All right, but I do think that's a that's a. I want to explore this idea more, and there'll be more episodes uh, in the future about this. I'll try to like some of those ideas. I'll try to dive deeper into that. I had to kind of like cover it like hundred thousand foot. You know what I mean? Um, so 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 we can we can analyze it more. But anyway, that's what I got for you today. Thank you for joining me on this. This is a Saturday morning, I think. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining me on a Saturday morning. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful, uh, weekend here and I will be definitely, if not uh, tomorrow back on it, uh, either Monday or Tuesday. All right. Uh, so thank you for joining me today and I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Bye-bye guys.